Welcome to Idaho Education Association's Hotline Podcast, a weekly discussion about what's happening at the Idaho legislature around public education and the policy priorities of IEA's members. IEA members are public school educators from all over the state. They're Idaho's most important education experts, and they use their influence to fight for a free, quality, and equitable public education for every student in the state. I'm Mike Journey, Communications Director at the IEA, and I'll be your host for this episode of Hotline. Today we discuss week six of the Idaho Legislature's 2023 session. Our discussion centers on the real fiscal impact of, of the session's first voucher bill, a bill requiring school districts to provide separate bathrooms and locker rooms based on a student's gender and birth, a legislative committee's rejection of expanded protections from abuse for school employees, a popular parents' rights bill, March 14's bond and levy elections, and the emergence of budget legislation. Joining me for today's conversation are IEA President Lane McAnally, IEA's Associate Executive Director Matt Compton, and IEA Executive Director Paul Stark. Well, Lane, Paul, Matt, thanks for joining me today. And uh, this conversation is week six of the legislature, and things have really picked up. The pace is, has moved quite a bit. There's a lot of bills coming forward um, in the education committees, a lot of education bills in other committees as well. Um, and so uh, it's it's been a busy time. I do want to step back and, and revisit a, a bill that we talked about last week, the the uh, the, the voucher bill 1038, the the, uh, the, the, the voucher bill from Tammy Nichols, um, and, uh, was, which cleared the, um, Senate Education Committee, uh, last week. Interestingly, this week, the nonpartisan Idaho Center for Fiscal Policy released a report, um, that said that the actual cost of this bill is going to be $368 million at the year 2025. And that's up from, originally they said it was going to be a $20 million bill. Then they said it was going to be a $40 million bill. And now, this independent source is saying something, and this is this really is something that we know, Paul. Uh, it happens in other states too, where that where these kind of voucher bills come forward. Yeah, that's one of the things that we walked in knowing this is that this is not uh, an, uh, a light lift on the part of the legislature financially, and we that's one of the benefits actually of not having adopted vouchers up to this point is we can clearly see from other states that this is a massive government program. Yeah, it is, and 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 uh, this bill lane is 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 exact copy of what we see in in Arizona. They've got a similar kind of thing. Um, this kind of this kind of language, it's being copied and pasted from all over the state. So we we see a, a kind of a national uh, push for this very specific bill. Um, it's it's start, started up here in in our state. Our members they don't like vouchers, and because uh, it, it takes public dollars away from from uh, public school classrooms, right? That's exactly right. And like Paul said, there are many states that we can look to to learn from, and we don't want to make those same mistakes. In Idaho, we have very educated people, and so we should be able to look at the case studies and determine that this isn't what Idahoans want. And like you said, anytime we take public funds away from our public schools, uh, it's going to hurt our educators and our students, and we want the best education that we can provide possible. Right. And so 1038, Matt, is has passed the Education Committee. It's headed to the House or to the sorry, to the Senate floor. Um, and uh, we're asking our members to to stand up and be counted and let let senators know that uh, they need to vote no on this bill, because, frankly, it's it could be a tight vote. Yeah, when this when this legislation was actually heard in Senate Ed, um, the overwhelmingly the testimony was against Senate Bill 1038. And it wasn't just 
teachers or educators or members. It was people from all walks of Idaho. There, Everybody was coming out against this because they know the value of public schools in their community. So small rural school districts will, will suffer from uh, a voucher program like this. Uh, so I, I, it's not going to just be our members who are reaching out. It's mm. going to be parents and community members across the state. That's right. Um, and so anybody who's listening, if you if uh, you sign up for our hotline email, the, uh, then the, there will be a, a story in, in this week's email about this uh, this bill. And uh, there will be an opportunity, a link there for you to go and, and tell uh, key uh, lawmakers about uh, your opposition to this legislation. Also, I think our listeners should um, look up the website Save Our Schools Idaho. It's a it's a wonderful website that really discusses all the details about what voucher schemes do to public education. But in particular note, um, which I love on that website is you can put in your zip code and you can hit uh, hit the find button and it'll tell you how much your district itself is set to lose if a bill like this were to go forward. And I think that's a pretty uh, pretty interesting thing for our listeners to check out. Absolutely. So, Matt, we have uh, – since we're talking about vouchers, um, we understand that this next week um, we're likely going to have uh, some other voucher bills come forward um, in the House Education Committee. Yep. So we don't just have vouchers in the Senate. Uh, the House is interested in some some sort of voucher scheme themselves. Uh, we understand that there are three or four proposals that will likely be entertained in House Education sometime next week, midweek. Uh, and so we'll have uh, the, the, this fight over vouchers is certainly not over. We're going to be continuing this throughout this session and, and and certainly in years to come. Okay, guys, let's talk about another another bill that was up yesterday. And it wasn't easy, an easy uh, debate to listen to. Um, there was what is kind of colloquially known as a bathroom bill that came forward in the House and sorry, in Senate education. Um, and the bill uh, was introduced by Senator Ben Adams from Nampa. Um, and it and it says that schools uh, must maintain separate bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, dressing areas, and overnight accommodations for, quote, biological boys and biological girls. And, and uh, Lane, we submitted some, uh, a te- some testimony for this, this, uh, this bill. And, and, and the upshot was we, we feel like this is an attack on LGBTQ plus students. You're exactly right. It is an attack on our LGBTQIA plus students. And we know as educators that we're there to educate all students, not just a certain subsection of students or a broad. We want to make sure that we have safe, just schools for every student that steps into our classroom and they feel safe and comfortable because we know if a student doesn't feel safe in a learning environment, they're not learning. That's absolutely right. And it's a very fundamental thing uh, uh, around pedagogy, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's, and we know that this bill, it's going to hurt people. But again, we know that students who identify differently than their, than their, uh, their birth gender is, are going to uh, be hurt by this. Um, and we know that the suicide rate among, uh, among these, these students is almost three times as high as it is among others. The suicide rate in Idaho is astronomical. I think we're first in the nation. And this marginalized community is one of the communities that has the highest rate of suicide. And so we as educators need to make sure that they have that safe environment where they can come to school and know that they're there to learn. And then they can go use a restroom that they need to go and use and then get back to the classroom. It's not about anything but making sure that we have safe environments for all students. And it's really affirming who they are, right? Giving them that foundation of, of understanding that that this adult 
understands who I am and they, and they respect me for that. And, and that, that, that clears the deck then for them to be able to learn. Right. The sad irony here is that this legislation was heard on suicide awareness. Day. Yeah. I think we could say, you know, this is a difficult issue. Obviously there's passions, great passions really on both sides of the issue. I do believe there's an Idaho solution to this. I do believe there is a way forward, but uh, going on the attack is not the way to do it. Um, collaboration is the way to do it. And there is, there will be a good solution that does work. Um, it's just that this is the, the wholly the wrong way to approach these things. And I don't, I don't mean to be hyperbolic here. I don't think I am being hyperbolic, but it is just a continuation of using schools as the battleground for these culture wars. Um, we saw it with the critical race theory uh, arguments of years past and then uh, looping in the social emotional uh, attacks. Um, this is just another way for folks to delegitimize public schools. Uh, and, and, and that's where you then hear the outcry of why, quote, unquote, School choice is so important so that uh, we can get students out of government schools and into some other form of education, which simply means vouchers for private schools. That's right. And then uh, kind of to both of your points, you know, this is something that's kind of consumed the Caldwell School District here over the past uh, several weeks. Um, and uh, this is kind of I think this is the legislature's attempt to kind of get at that and take advantage of that 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 uh, controversy. It's, it's consumed the Caldwell School District and, and several districts across the state. Uh, and to be quite frank, um, it's consumed this legislative session. There, there hasn't been a single piece of legislation that has been um, proposed that would help students in classrooms this year. Uh, this is uh, it's all attack, attack, attack or uh, defund public schools. All right. So, Paul, um, uh, another bill that came forward this week was House Bill 114, which was which was co-sponsored by Representative Chris Matthias um, and uh, uh, Democrat out of Boise and uh, Sonia Galavis, uh, a member of the IEA um, uh, and uh, and Vice Education Committee Vice Chairwoman uh, Lori McCann. And this bill was intended to extend existing protections for educators from abuse and assault and all the other types of things that we know our edu- our members endure in the classroom and, and elsewhere, um, uh, extend it to everyone who is an employee of a school district, right? Yeah, that's right. It's um, So already on the books in Idaho, there is some uh, protection for teachers, and it's titled Abuse of Teachers. And this was simply an attempt to recognize that there are many in the school setting, school employees, that have suffered uh, from abuse, intimidation, um, you know, shouted at and that sort of thing. And this was simply to extend that out to include all school employees, but also to make the definitions a little bit more certain and less ambiguous. Uh, it looked like a really great uh, bill to me. We testified on it and uh, like it narrowly. And, and the, the committee voted it down. I was pretty I was pretty surprised by the conversation that, that to be had around that bill. I, it did not seem to me going in that it was seemed like a a, kind of a simple thing to do and and they uh but they uh they really they stepped up and and you and representative matthias were really kind of put in the crosshairs with some questions um around this bill um you did a fine job by the way um in responding to them but but uh they ended up voting it down and and so i think our you know i think it's it's important for our educators to understand who was on that committee and what, what they were saying about uh, the need the, the lack of a need for uh for protections for them yeah they were uh some of the legislators said why should we have a special carve out and uh i think the answer to that is clear is that um uh 
individuals working in a school setting have had special treatment in the sense of abusive treatment, in particular over the last few years. We also have particular heightened protections for uh, police officers, firefighters, healthcare workers, and this uh, this seemed to fit. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand why anybody would be anti protection of te- uh, educators, all educators. and uh, But yet they voted it down. So um, yes, it'd be good to look that up and know who your legislators are so you can let them know that you support protecting school employees. So again, in, in this week's hotline email, we will have a little story about, about this this uh, this bill and uh, and a full accounting of the, the vote count. So uh, uh, folks can go and check that out if they would like to do so. All right, so uh, another bill that came forward, guys, uh, this week that that kind of received rave reviews from everyone was a, a parental rights rights bill that came forward from, um, and it was it was sponsored by Representative Judy Boyle out of Midvale, and then the Superintendent of Public Instruction Debbie Critchfield, and and uh, this parents' rights bill, um, Matt, I've heard you say this is this is the parents' rights bill of the of the session probably, um, and it does a number of things. It, it, uh, it, there's a whole list of things that it allows parents to do, but kind of the upshot is is that these are things that most school districts in our state are probably already doing. It does, it's things like uh, uh, parents get to review curricular materials and if they want to withdraw their child from a class, if they don't agree with those materials, um, uh, notify parents uh, of changes in their child's mental, emotional health, um, notifying parents about surveys that they're going to administer, notify parents when a student has been questioned by law enforcement, um, allow parents to observe classes and other school activities, um, and then open communication about the student's health and wellness. And I, I, I you know, Matt and Lane, I, I don't know of any, I mean, I know my my schools, our schools, the schools that my children go to, they spend um, a lot of time communicating with us about what's going on. And, and uh, I've, I've never found any problem with any of these issues. As an educator and all the educators that are listening, I think they know that in order to have a successful classroom and a successful learning environment for our students, it's a partnership between the teacher, between the paraprofessionals, the parents, and the student. Without one of those components, they're not going to be as successful. And so we want to have that partnership with parents. We want to make sure that the parents are involved and engaged in their student and their child's learning so that they can have those conversations around the dinner table or they can help them with their homework or they can come in and have a conversation with me. But we know that it's a partnership. And when that partnership is successful, the student will be successful. And and this really just kind of codifies a lot of the things that, that educators are already doing. So we've heard, yeah. It reaffirms the parental rights and responsibilities. And, uh, the, the greater degree that we can have um, parents engaged in their, stu- in their child's education, the better. And Sonia Galavis, again, a member um, uh, uh, of the IEA and a member of this committee, um, also voted in favor. And she said the exact same thing you did, uh, Lane, about about this is a partnership. We want to be partners. Um, and that's why this is a this is a good bill. So, And I just want to make sure that people are clear that this is a parental rights bill. But ultimately, it's about the guardianship. It's a guardian bill because we want to make sure that whoever is helping raise that child has the opportunity to be successful with them and partner with the educator, whether it is a a parent, grandparent, a legal guardian of any kind, we're willing to partner with with and work with. That's a fantastic point. There's another bill that that we've talked about a couple of times. uh, There are a couple of bills here that deal with school board elections, uh, Matt, uh, House Bill 58 and House Bill 71. And altogether, these these bills are intended to eliminate one of the or two of the election days 
that school districts can come forward and have bond or levy elections or school board elections. Um, and then another bill that, that would require partisan um, uh, declaration by candidates. Um, so, so uh, these bills, but, but the re- we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast already, but, but one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this again is, is the importance of these election dates became evident and clear from an Idaho education news story that was out uh, just yesterday, I believe that that outlined all of the uh, bond and levy elections in the state um, that are up on the ballot on March 14th. Um, And it's 48 school districts in all are going to be running bond or levy elections on March 14th. And it's well over a billion dollars in just this one single day. Um, And if that doesn't show the need uh, not only for, for these dates and for school districts to be able to pay the bills, but it also shows a need for a reform of how we fund our schools. It, it shines a pretty significant bright light on uh, how the legislature has historically underfunded schools year over year over year and why continued investments in public education is so important. These are uh, school districts that have to go out for supplemental levies that are no longer supplemental. They're, uh, they're operational levies um, and the bonds that they need to build new schools or repair existing schools. Uh, these are these are significant investments that uh, that the I that all all education stakeholders have been talking about for for a decade now. Um, and uh, this is probably going to be the single most expensive education uh, election day in Idaho history. Yeah, uh, just by just in comparison, the same n- amount, uh, roughly, was uh, was voted on through the entire calendar year last year, and now on one day, over a billion dollars. Last year for the calendar year twenty twenty two, about a billion dollars was was voted on by edu- by education or by voters, excuse me, and this year in one election. That's going to be out there. So yeah, just- and you you can see that the legislature uh, is um, is keenly aware of the cost that this is uh, placing directly on taxpayers at the local district. Um, they're seeking to do away with uh, a couple of election dates. Uh, to make it more difficult for districts to pass these sort of levies. They want to put them on on the partisan uh, ballots. Uh, and they say it's for increased participation, but uh, this, is, this is not the first time they've done this. Um, many lawmakers have talked about how this is just uh, people, the districts begging, you know, they're begging their their taxpayers over and over and over again. Um, and it's not about begging. It's, it's really about um, meeting the constitutional um, mandate of investments in public schools. I think it's in p- particularly important to note the uh, strain this puts on property tax owners, you know, because there are those on fixed incomes that are seeing their property taxes go up and up and up. And it's a direct result. We have legislators that campaign on how much they cut taxes and they cut taxes. But honestly, they're just uh, shifting the burden, the taxing burden over to the local property owners and not really doing their job of funding the, the public education system in the first instance. Right. It comes back to that decades long chronic under funding of public education that we talk about right it's it's um and and the fact that uh uh that uh school districts in order to pay the bills in order to fix leaky roofs and in order to pay for educational support professionals and and uh and in some cases paying teachers um uh they have to run these levies um and uh um uh, and that's because the state's not meeting its constitutional obligation so uh matt uh, tell us 
real quickly a little bit about what's going on with JFAC and the budgets. Um, we've talked in the past about how you know there's there's a lot of crazy bills that are coming out right now, and and uh, if anybody who's been paying attention closely might might feel kind of bad about what's going on. But uh, but uh, I've, I've been saying that that you know. It, the, the, the good news should be coming later in the session when JFEC starts talking about budgets and they're starting to do that. They're, they are. They're starting to talk about budgets. Uh, interestingly, I was looking back at uh, last session as to when JFAC uh, put out the education uh, appropriations and it was March 7th. And, and we're s- slowly creeping up on March 7th this year uh, and haven't seen any uh, drafts or, or, or any communication really about the education appropriations. Um, I anticipate that we're going to see um, the some of those education budgets set here pretty soon, um, and and that's where uh, we'll see whether or not JFAC or the legislature uh, takes um, the the nod from the governor for that extra sixty three hundred dollars uh, for every educator, um, and what increased salaries for classified employees is going to look like. Um, but uh, I think we still have a couple of weeks until. Um, that becomes a little uh, clearer. Yeah, it's interesting. We you know we came into the session talking all about the September one special session and the three hundred and thirty million they set aside for K through twelve, and we really haven't even. It's we're almost we're six weeks into legislature and we really haven't dealt with that hardly at all at this point. And but but it's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll be talking about that in future podcasts. All right, gentlemen, that's that's all I have for today. So thank you for joining and uh, and uh, having this conversation. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Idaho Education Association's Hotline Podcast and this discussion about week six of the 2023 legislature. Thanks as well to Lane McAnally, Matt Compton, and Paul Stark for joining me. Please watch for future updates about new episodes on IEA's social media channels or sign up for email updates on our website at IdahoEA.org. I'm Mike Journey, and as always, I hope you join me in thanking Idaho's public school educators for everything they do for our state students, families, and public schools.